Hi guys, welcome back to Black and Cold. I am your host, Nichelle, and I am back with another week of true crime for the overshadowed. So, I just wanted to say thank you to all my regular listeners and welcome to all my new listeners. Please continue to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps me out, and I appreciate you all that have already done so. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at black underscore cold underscore podcast. Other than that, I don't really have too much side talk for you guys today. We are just going to jump right into this episode. The story today is quite unreal um, and it's disturbing. It comes out of the sunshine state of Florida when a young father disappears after enjoying a night out with his co-workers. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of Terrence Williams. Williams was originally from Chattanooga, Tennessee. He grew up very close to his mother, Marcia Williams, and after she got married, she decided to move to Florida. Terrence followed his mom shortly after her move just to be closer to her and to look for better financial opportunities that could support him as well as his four children he had back in Tennessee. As Terrence settled in his new life in Naples, Florida, he began working as a construction worker to make ends meet. He later decided to get another job for even better financial stability, and that's when he began working at a pizza hut in Bonita Springs, Florida. By December of 2003, Terrence decided to purchase a white Cadillac, which his mom stated was his car of choice. Now, he couldn't put this new car on the road as of yet because while he was living in Tennessee prior to his move, Terrence did catch a DUI charge that caused him to lose his license. So although he couldn't drive the car just yet, he chose to leave it parked up at his home until he was able to get his license situation fixed. So in the meantime, he relied on his mom and sometimes his roommate for most of his transportation. Terrence ended up getting along with many of his new co-workers at Pizza Hut, and on Sunday, January 11th, 2004, he was invited to a party that one of them were having. Instead of going to the party straight after his shift, Terrence wanted to make a stop at home first just so he could change his clothes. So his mom, Marcia, picked him up from work, per usual, and dropped him off home. While at home, Terrence asked his roommate, Jason, to join him at this party. And remember, his roommate would also be his ride there. But Jason just wasn't feeling it at the time and unfortunately did not want to attend. Terrence then took a really big risk. Although his car wasn't registered and he didn't technically have a clean license at the time, he decided to drive himself to the party in his new white Cadillac. 
He proceeded to this party and sometime during his drive over there, he pulled over and made a call to his roommate, Jason. When he called, Jason was able to determine that there was some type of fear in Terrence's voice. Terrence told him that there was just so many cops around and he wanted his roommate to stick on the phone with him until police activity was finished. You know, just to make sure everything was good, everything was copacetic. So they chatted for a little minute until Terrence was comfortable enough to tell Jason like, hey, I'm good, we can hop off the phone now, I'm comfortable. And that's when the two hung up. So after this call, Jason remembers leaving his phone in the living room and going to bed. The next morning on Monday, January 12th, Jason woke up and realized Terrence still didn't come home. But he wasn't alarmed by this just yet because the two had a mutual understanding that sometimes Terrence may not come home for a few days because he may stay out at a friend's or family member's house or whoever. It wasn't until Jason checked his phone that he noticed something was unusual. He saw that he had multiple missed calls from around 4 o'clock a.m. from a number he was not familiar with. Jason decided to call this number back, and that's when a woman answered the line. It was one of Terrence's co-workers from the Pizza Hut where he worked. The woman said that Terrence left the party sometime between 5 and 6 a.m. alone. Jason felt to himself that Terrence probably tried to reach out to him for a ride home, and in his interview he did on Investigation Discoveries Disappeared, he expressed much regret that he didn't have his phone in his bedroom like he typically did because maybe this whole situation would have never occurred. When his roommate didn't show up on Tuesday, January 13th, that's when Jason decided to reach out to Terrence's mom by email and ask her if she has seen or heard from her son. Marcia was startled when she received the email. In the meantime, Jason called hospitals around the area to see if Terrence was maybe hurt, but this wasn't successful. So he then went on to call local jails, especially knowing that his roommate drove off in his unregistered vehicle with no license. But Terrence wasn't in custody anywhere either. By Wednesday, January 14th, Marcia knew something was definitely off with this whole situation, and she decided to leave work and begin to look for her son herself. She drove to the Pizza Hut to ask employees about her son, and she was even more stunned to learn that he didn't show up to work and he even missed picking up his last couple of paychecks. This confirmed all of Marcia's worst thoughts. She then decided to call the police where she told them that she couldn't locate her son. But the police told her the typical response, that her son was a legal adult and she should try to call them back in a month if he doesn't show up. In a whole month though? But anyway, Marcia was not going for this. She involved her sister, who was still living back in Tennessee, and Terrence's family began calling the Collier County Sheriff's Office with multiple calls in reference to him. And y'all, when I tell you guys this was so, so smart on his family's end, it was so smart because in a lot of these situations, families sometimes take the request of law enforcement and they wait. And sometimes that waiting period can be a 
can be crucial to an investigation. And also for some people and in some scenarios, sometimes you just know your family members. And Marcia knew that her son Terrence wouldn't just stop having contact with her. It was already a few days at this point and she knew he was missing. Like she just knew it. So his family flooding their phone lines actually paid off because the police began to take his disappearance more serious. Marcia's sister eventually ran into some luck from one of her phone calls that she made, and she was able to find out that Terrence's car was towed from Naples Memorial Cemetery. Marcia was confused immediately, but she ended up going to the location where the car was being held, and that's where she found a white Cadillac. She was able to confirm for herself that the vehicle was her son's, According to her, she saw some of Terrence's belongings as well as the cigarette brand he used to smoke inside the vehicle. She was notified that the car was towed for obstructing traffic at around 12 o'clock noon on January 12th. It was requested to be towed by the Collier County Sheriff's Office. They also notified Marcia that the car appeared to be abandoned. Just a few days later, on January 16th, which would now be four days after Terrence disappeared, Marcia called the cemetery where his car was towed from just to see if she could get some more insight on her son's movements from that day. She learned from cemetery employees that the cops pulled Terrence over at Hodge's funeral home, which is connected to that cemetery. Now, the witnesses recalled that a police vehicle with emergency lights on and no siren pulled up behind Terrence in his white Cadillac. They go on to tell Marcia that it appeared that the officer asked Terrence for his ID. Then the witnesses said that they saw him get patted down by this officer, and then he was placed in the back of the police vehicle. The employees said that the exchange seemed to be cordial and that shortly after their interaction, the same deputy came up to them and asked if it was okay that Terrence's car stay there for a short while so it can be towed. The employees agreed and not too long after, they saw this same deputy move the white Cadillac from a parking spot to the side of the road. And apparently this officer tossed the keys outside of the car and then he drove away on his own. As she was hearing all of this interaction her son did with law enforcement, Marcia's bells and whistles were going off. Remember, her son was not locked up because his roommate Jason made those calls to the local stations. So where was Terrence? As all of this information was surfacing, Terrence's family still remained persistent with their calls to the Collier County Sheriff's Office. They began to take action and look into the situation, and Deputy Steve Calkins was finally named the person who Terrence had this encounter with. And a conversation between Deputy Calkins and dispatch was released from that incident. Yeah. I hate to bother you at home on your day off, but this woman's been bothering us all day. You towed a car from Vanderbilt on 111th Monday, a Cadillac. Do you remember it? No. Do you remember? She said it was near the cemetery. Some 
cemetery. I mean, the people at the cemetery are telling her you put somebody in the back of your vehicle and arrested them, and I don't show you arresting anybody. I never arrested nobody. That's what I thought. Okay. I gotta think about this one for a while. But you're sure no one was with that vehicle? Well, the somebody at the cemetery is telling the mother that you picked up the driver and he's been missing since Monday. So I tried to clean up that audio as best as I can, but just so you guys know, this call was made from dispatch only four days after Terrence disappeared. As you guys heard, apparently this deputy, Steve Calkins, couldn't really recall any engagement with Terrence. He doesn't even seem to remember pulling anyone over at a cemetery whatsoever. Not to mention, in my opinion, both people on the phone seem to be irritated that a mother is looking for her missing son. So I couldn't understand that. But also, Culkins is a seasoned police officer. And like I said, the incident only happened a few days before this conversation that I just played. More importantly, Marcia and her family knew this did not make any sense. And one good thing in this whole situation is that the Collier County Sheriff's Office felt this wasn't making any sense either. So they decided to bring Deputy Calkins in for a few questions. Ironically, and I guess maybe because it wasn't his day off, Deputy Calkins' memories decided to come back, and he told the sheriff's office that he did remember having an interaction with Terrence. Seven days later, after his disappearance, investigators asked Deputy Calkins to submit an incident report on January 19th. According to Deputy Calkins, he saw a man was having car troubles, and I guess this is what got his attention. He says both cars, so him and Terrence, went into the cemetery parking lot and Terrence asked him for help because he needed to get to work. According to Culkins, at first he suggested a cab to Terrence, but he went on to say that Terrence seemed to be like a nice, polite man. So he agreed and gave him a ride to the Circle K, which is like a convenience store slash gas station. And it was not too far away from where they were. But there was a big issue with Deputy Culkins' recollection. Terrence did not work at the Circle K. Deputy Calkins also said that he was in a hurry when he dropped Terrence off at this Circle K, and Terrence told him that his registration papers were in the glove compartment of his car. So according to this deputy, he went back to the car to retrieve them, and he realized that there was nothing in the glove compartment. I mean, obviously, because this man didn't have any registration, but okay, so he told investigators that after looking for these registration papers, he was slightly annoyed at that point because that's when he felt like he was just lied to. So he then decided to call the Circle K to look for Terrence, and that's when an employee told him that no one of that name worked there. So the deputy then decided to move the car from the lot, and he put it on the side of the road so that the towing company would have better access to it. Marcia was not buying this story one bit. There was just too many issues with it. According to Marcia, for one, when she went to get her son's vehicle from the tow yard, she said that Terrence's car was working just fine. The vehicle had no issues. 
And also, she knew her son wasn't just out here chatting with the police. Like, he was already fearful of them because of his prior legal issues he had. So she already knew that that did not go down, of him asking for a ride to work and all of this other stuff. And then lastly, as I said, Terrence did not work at the Circle K. So why would he ask to go there? He had no reason to go there. And just a thought, um, I don't know if this came to you guys' mind, but why would the officer take Terrence's keys? Then why would he move the car? To me right there, that just made no sense. Like, even if the car needed to be towed because it was broken down or having issues or whatever that loser said, why would you need to take Terrence's keys? According to the disappeared episode, Terrence's stepfather viewed the Circle K footage from that day before any law enforcement got to it, and he did not see his stepson nor this deputy Culkins anywhere on tape. So Culkins lied again. So Marcia decided to file a complaint against Deputy Culkins with Internal Affairs. Meanwhile, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement and the FBI have been asked to take over Terrence's case. Once internal affairs were involved, they were floored. They just closed a very, very similar complaint, and it also involved Deputy Culkins. I don't think it matters how old you are. Everyone loves balloons. Neat Designs will provide amazing balloon decor in addition to other decoration services to your events. They offer services in the Long Island, New York City area, and they will elevate your day to make sure it's one that no one will ever forget. Neat Designs offers the ultimate experience, and it's all behind the mastermind of one owner with the most elaborate ideas. She is here to make your special events come to life. Check out the work they provide on their Instagram at N-E-A-T underscore designs underscore. Terrence's case is extremely similar, almost identical to another case out of North Naples involving another missing young man. 23-year-old Felipe Santos disappeared in October of 2003, three months before Terrence did. Felipe, who was a Mexican immigrant, was on his way to work one day, and he unfortunately got into a car accident. Now, he was terrified after this accident happened, and the other driver of the vehicle involved flagged down Deputy Culkins, who I'm assuming was nearby. It was reported that everyone in this incident was completely cordial, and Felipe was eventually asked for his license, but he didn't have one as he was undocumented. So he was then put in the back of Culkin's patrol car, and from that day, Felipe was never seen again. According to the other driver, Culkin seemed agitated when he noticed that Felipe didn't have a license. And according to them, he made a comment about being tired of people without licenses. Felipe's family began their search for him, and they even checked the county jail, but he was nowhere to be found. Two weeks after the accident, as the Santos family was searching, Internal Affairs opened a complaint with Deputy Culkins, and he said that he didn't take Felipe to jail because he was a nice, polite man. 
Culkins also said he drove him to the Circle K, which was about a half a mile up the road so Felipe could get home. Doesn't this all sound too familiar? Before he left Felipe's presence, Culkins did say he issued him three citations revolving around the accident, which Felipe would need to show up in court for. As his family was still looking for answers, Felipe hasn't shown up to work, nor has he shown up to get his paycheck. And on top of that, he didn't show up to court for the three citations that Deputy Culkins gave him. So technically, he became a fugitive. Internal Affairs did a two-month investigation into Culkins for the disappearance of Felipe Santos, but technically they said he did not do anything wrong, so he was exonerated. I should note that at this point, Culkins had 17 years of service, so again, as I said before, he was a very well-seasoned officer. Felipe's family was notified of this news and received a letter that this deputy has been cleared, and three days later... Terrence disappeared. Everyone knew something strange was going on. Investigators even put a GPS tracker on Culkin's vehicle. They were able to identify 12 locations where a search needed to be done, but nothing was found that could lead anyone to the location of Terrence or Felipe. At one point, Culkin's vehicle was even searched, and that was said to have been clean as well. On February 12th, Internal Affairs responded to Marcia's complaint and asked Deputy Culkins to come in for another interview with them, but this time it was in reference to Terrence Williams. This was now one month after his disappearance. Culkins was also asked to take a polygraph exam, which he passed, and post his meeting with investigators, they just did not have any evidence to make any more movements in this case. It wasn't until another call with dispatch and Deputy Culkins was discovered. Again, I know this audio may be hard to hear, and I've also tried to clean this one up as best as I can, but this call was made at 1249 on January 12th, and again, there's a lot of issues with this conversation. Culkins initially said both him and Terrence drove into the cemetery lot. And he initially said that he moved the car so it can be towed. Now, in this conversation that I just played that he had with Dispatch, who I guess was his little friend, you can clearly hear them laughing about the fact that Culkins is going to tow this car. They're also making joking references about Black people, if we're going to keep it 100 here. But if you notice, he tells Dispatch that the car is abandoned. According to the coding he used, he said the car was abandoned. How was this car called in as abandoned here when Culkins clearly said he had an interaction with the driver who was Terrence? That's what he said in his first interview. He also previously said that 
he moved the car to the side of the road to make it easier for when it's towed. But again, on this call, Culkins told dispatch it was blocking roadway. Am I bugging here? So another 20 minutes passed by, and at 1.12 p.m., Deputy Steve Culkins requests dispatch to run a background check. He provided Terrence's full name, first and last. He told dispatch that it was a black male. He definitely made sure not to leave that one out. And another thing he provided was a date of birth. First of all, I don't know how... Culkins got this information. He provided the date of birth of 4-1-1975, but from what I've learned and researched, that is not Terrence's date of birth. So again, Culkins is out here looking crazy. Up until now, it was said that his interaction with Terrence was very brief and he was just helping him out. But now we have this recording of him asking dispatch to run a background check. How is Culkins getting all of this information on Terrence? Only Terrence would have had told him his name and date of birth. But remember, Culkins didn't say any of this in his first interview. And also, Terrence was not arrested. Remember, he was supposed to be such a nice, polite young man that Culkins was just helping out and dropping off at work. So I just don't understand why he was asking for a background check. Internal Affairs decided to bring Deputy Culkins in again where he was asked about this contradiction and he was questioned about the inappropriate nature of the call he was having with dispatch and of course he said he was joking around but he also denied lying. (laughs) He was then given a second polygraph which seemed to ask more questions regarding his movements after the car was towed. And not only did he come across as deceptive for that test, but Culkin stopped cooperating. Sometime after he was eventually fired and internal affairs officially closed their investigation with him. The sheriff at the time said he lost trust in Deputy Culkins and his ability to be an officer. Culkins was not happy about his termination and he did not agree with it at all. He felt like he was being picked on. The Collier County Sheriff's Office has been very much affected by all of these events that have taken place and the behavior of former Deputy Steve Calkins. But they have never strayed too far away from the two most important things at hand here, and that is locating both Terrence Williams and Felipe Santos. In August of 2018, Terrence's mom, Marcia, filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Stephen Culkins. Many people were learning more information about the cases of her son as well as Felipe Santos. It even caught the eye of Tyler Perry, who stood by the Williams family's side. Tyler Perry even offered up to a $200,000 reward for information leading to Terrence or Felipe's locations. On December 30th, 2020, which was just a few months ago, according to Wink News, the case was heard by a court-appointed arbitrator who made a decision against the William family because there was a lack of evidence. The case was supposed to be heading to trial, but The attorneys representing Terrence's family did not file the motion for trial in time, 
So that means the arbitrator's decision is now final. Wink News also reported a conversation with a legal expert who is not affiliated with this case at all, but she said that basically the only way this case can see a courtroom again is if criminal charges are filed. You know, this whole case just makes me mad, um, if we're going to be quite honest here. It's really disturbing and it's just crazy when you really think about it. It's just really crazy. But from what I researched and read online, there is really only one theory that is going around here. And that is that people believe former Deputy Steve Calkins was involved in the disappearances of these two men some way, somehow. These men have still not been found. It is now going on 17 years. 17 years. And there is not only one, but two families deeply affected here who have also not been able to get justice or at least some type of closure. If you have any information on the disappearance of Terrence Williams or Felipe Santos, please call the Collier County Sheriff's Office at 239-252-9300.